So we have Prayag right here, and we're gonna debug the Arsenal Chelsea game. Um, we don't have the rest two people right now because they are currently watching the Brighton United game. And once Brighton beats United, we will be able to get their views. Um, Prayag, um, where do we start, man? Good day. What do you think? I mean, everyone knows my bias when it comes to Chelsea, but in spite of that. I'm being real when I say that I'm kind of disappointed with the scoreline. The performance was good, but the scoreline could have been much better. I think yeah, if you look at the XG, I think it could have gone up to like five goals or something. <laughs> no, that's totally true. I think uh, we started so well. Um, we had almost all of the possession for like almost a whole game. Uh, I think their game plan was non-existent. Kind of shows how far we have come as a club and how clueless Chelsea is right now. Yeah. I haven't said that many times uh, this decade, but um, but yeah, truly just shows how how good we are. And uh, and Odegaard, man, just just the same type of goal twice, lethal finishing. Mm-hmm. Just the way he uh, positions himself on that that outside of the box, and he's done that quite a few times this season, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, uh, you can say things about the Chelsea defense going into that goal and stuff, but you can't take away anything from Odegaard's finish. Finishing. Both the goals were sublime, and it's just a testament to how he's been this season. And I, I think we should really be speaking about Chelsea's game because even though we've been seeing a lot of clips and highlights throughout the season, being an Arsenal fan. Uh, this is the first time we're seeing them play the whole game well into their decline. And uh, what's the most defining thing for you, Nira? So many things, actually. I, I think the recruitment has been really clueless. I feel like it's it's a headless chicken moment over here. Mm. Um, and uh, I wasn't really sure if they had a plan. But it seems like they wanted to get like these young players on eight-year contracts, and uh, they they wanted to get the up-and-coming talents like Mudrik and Enzo Fernandez. I don't know if they overpaid for them or or how it worked, but they had bidding wars for both of those players. They were pretty pretty quick in their dealings at that point in time. It seemed like they were uh, they had definitely won the tra- transfer window and. It seemed like they they were building a really really strong squad, um, and you know, I feel like this season was a write off. The time that Potter started doing badly, and everyone thought that okay, fine, this is a write off season, and then Chelsea can train well and like get get the squad together and come back next season strong and firing on all cylinders because it just seems like no one really cares about this season and it's not even about pride anymore it just it's nothing they they had nothing in them they were just like empty like even the goal they scored was just out of nowhere it was just basically a gift by us i don't think mm-hmm. that that goal defined anything in the game 3-1 just doesn't doesn't i mean i know we we'll talk we'll talk about arsenal later but we just weren't ruthless enough with them i remember they Spanking us six nil um, on mm-hmm. Wenger's thousandth game. Um, I f- I felt like today was the day that we get that kind of revenge, but didn't happen. 
So yeah, I mean from a Chelsea perspective, just looks bleak. I I still believe that they have a really good squad, and um, depending on what managers come manager comes in, seems like it might be Pochettino. It could be it could be a good season for them again, like a transitional season where they like probably try aiming for like uh, the fourth position, Champions League positions, and try doing good in like uh, uh, the cup competitions, but. Uh, I have I haven't seen a team make like a 30 40 point leap it's just unheard of so uh, yeah looking at next season I'm not really sure where I see them I, I see them making like a 20 point leap depends on where they finish now I, I don't think they finish above 45 points so getting 65 points probably that does not make top four historically yeah I mean I agree with everything you've said but I also would like to go a little deeper into the actual game on the pitch and one thing that we've been hearing the entire season is that they're having a hard time putting the ball into the net uh, it's due to the situation with their strikers right now but i think in the game against arsenal we saw a lot of things apart from that we can see issues with their passing and their positioning i think we can bring that down to the chemistry between the players and of course, then there's also their mentality going into the game and how they started the second half. People were expecting them to uh, maybe make some changes uh, in the way they were playing. But the truth is that even after the second half has started, they were still struggling. And I think throughout the entire game, maybe they got like 10 good mints in. That's it. Even the goal, Even the goal was... I, 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 was there a deflection? I'm, I'm not sure, but no, it was it basically wasn't a clean goal. yeah, it wasn't a clean goal. It was basically a cross put in, I think, by um, Enzo, and I'm not sure. And it just like found its way to to Madioki or however you pronounce that guy. Um, yeah. He just like fumbled it into the thing. It was basically Arsenal defenders sleeping because they thought he was offside. Um, full blame we on Arsenal actually, defenders. We'd made. A lot of mistakes in the game actually and we were also given the ball away countless times but mm-hmm. every time what we see is the same thing it goes to one of the chelsea players and they do a decent job of dribbling along the wing and uh, getting past a player or two and then the passing is just atrocious it just yeah, essentially it goes- Essentially, how Arsenal play is that they try to like press the opposition if they're trying to come out, and if they're they're kind of like withholding back, they they pass the ball around them till they find uh, uh, an opening or something. And this is what happened. I don't think Chelsea had uh, any intention of pressing Arsenal. They did not. They weren't aggressive enough to get the ball, so they were just like just just waiting till the till the eventual. Thing happens and and if they yeah you're right if they when they get the ball they would just pass it to either Sterling or they would pass it to um, uh, who was on the right yeah. wing I think Madioki <laughs> as well yeah. and Sterling would just like try to like go on the left and try to like uh, take a man one on one and even if he beats them there was no uh, other player who was um, available to help him. To sort of make patterns, basically they did not have any counter-attacking patterns, so it just seems yeah. like seemed like a tactical problem here. It just seemed the player, like uh, the teammates are not where they were expecting them to be. I mean, and the teammates who were expecting to receive the pass, the 
you know the the pass they were getting were completely off so mm-hmm. there is some kind of miscommunication and misunderstanding between the entire team and i don't know would would you say that's a fixable issue or would you say that's like a fundamental no, 100% 100% it's fixable i i feel like the coach should take responsibility for this they are professional footballers they should be doing the basics right i don't think they any of them were doing the basics right um if you're trying to set some someone else uh, someone against arsenal you should set up in a way that like you have some sort of counter attacking pattern set um you have roles defined and i feel like frank lampard is all vibes because why is obameyang <laughs> starting why is why is he starting he hasn't started a game in so long yeah you have let's habits. let's let's just tell <laughs> mention this fact to all the viewers that uh he played the entire first half and he subbed off after that and during the entire 45 minutes he had nine touches on the ball four of them being kickoffs obama who <laughs> um yeah you you have you seen that clip of oba sort of like looking taking in the emirates atmosphere listening to north london forever and has that like a very bitter face um mm. i kind of feel bad for him dude i actually liked him not gonna lie yeah i think there has been a little bit of uh a narrative going around regarding this but it is what it is and so on on one hand we got the general challenges associated with a change in ownership and then you have the manager shit show and then you have too many players right i mean there is a threshold <laughs> beyond which if you have more players beyond this right it's going to result in a lot of miscommunication and misunderstandings and i think that's what's happening here you can't have two dressing rooms you can't have players training on two different pitches because one pitch is not enough to accommodate all the players so i think maybe they need to make those changes first maybe bring down the amount of players so that whatever they have left they can do a good job with them yeah that's that's right i mean the first priority would be to sort of like trim the squad um i think by by june they should be able to to decide on i i, I still feel like todd bowley is really naive in his uh, in his dealings right now because i i was reading this article where uh, chelsea believe that they will be able to get rid of all of their deadwood within the first month of the transfer window and it's not going to happen that way like that we've seen in the past that like it's not easy to get suitors for players and even if there are they, they usually don't uh, offer the amount of money which chelsea would be requiring they would have to take a big hit on some players um talking about someone like sterling who's obviously not in the plans right now because you do have people in his position you have mudrik in his position who has to be involved next season because he's you bought him for like almost 100 million he was one of the brightest young talents in the world um there is no way he's sitting on the bench next season you don't have even one european competition so it's not like you have many competitions to play in um sterling definitely goes just bought him for 50 million by the way this season uh definitely going to take a hit on that um havertz again i think 70 million or 80 million by No I mean but when it comes to Havertz they did get something out of him right he was yeah. uh, <laughs> was pretty important yeah in the sure Champions League win so sure. I feel like that's I think the that's only worth thing million, I guess <laughs> yeah yeah if you want to quantify it that way sure um 
yeah that way woot was no, also but very can very we cost- just can we just uh, can we just discuss about the fact like let's just uh, count let's just see one by one how many solid players chelsea has that players that have had consistent good or great seasons and you know i can think of uh, thiago silva you know he's a guy okay, let me just wait good. let me just like put pull it off so i can properly we can properly see this um yeah. okay uh looking at chelsea squad it shows coach frank lampard first um <laughs> uh, i think we can do like a sell or like keep or bench sort of situation so we have oh, yeah? kepa and mendy i personally would say sell sell i, I think then we should also keep bench in between because yeah, some of them yeah. can be like good backups right sure i mean whoever wants to be bench in, in within these two because they both feel like they're starters uh, and both of them combined were i think 100 million so i don't know what they do about the keepers but i would say sell sell for mm. kepa and mendy both both mm. have their limitations um mm. aspelicueta yeah, sell I, i think i think kepa maybe bench you know as a backup you know you can't just change both your keepers at once so just by thinking from that perspective yeah true yeah true um aspelicueta sent to the retirement home right the second <laughs> thiago silva to the retirement home kulebali to the but, retirement uh, wait, home wait wait but thiago silva i think it's positive to have him on the squad because he is considered to be chelsea's best player this season and even if they should starting... keep his wife and just let him go <laughs> that's i think that's what's needed chelsea fans would uh, agree with me they know what i'm talking about um <laughs> okay because his okay. wife is uh, uh, really really vocal and she just she just keeps uh, you know waffling on twitter about like how uh, thiago silva like chelsea need thiago silva he's missing when he was yeah. injured i, I mean I, i mean during the game she was saying right even though chelsea is playing like shit i mean it's thiago silva is playing good know, it, yeah <laughs> she's like she's she gets on my nerves and i'm not even a chelsea fan um but yeah i would say uh, i think you'd agree that we they are definitely going to keep chilwell and james despite mm-hmm. the fact that both of them are made of glass um <laughs> um i think badashili is badashili how you say it is a uh, he's he's proved that he's good um fofana he has, he has a pretty high ceiling i think i mean mm-hmm. he can go far yeah fofana as well the same thing pretty high ceiling um kukurela <laughs> again bench at say um they spend so much on dude, it, right? they spend so much money and their defense right now looks so horrible i'm not even kidding i mean what do you go for it's 60 hilarious. i think it's 70 oh uh, yeah it's 50 55 or something okay um yeah let's just like quickly move on to the midfield uh yeah. loftus cheek and mason mount and conor gallagher let's talk about these three boys i hmm. don't think any of them come next season is going to be at chelsea I think all of these boys are going to move on. Would you agree? Yeah, I th- I think Mount is redeemable, but I think there's a lot of demand for him from mm-hmm. other clubs enough mm-hmm. for that that you know Chelsea can consider selling this guy. I mean it makes sense on paper. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So yeah. Um yeah, uh, I would love him at Arsenal honestly. I don't think uh, that's going to be possible, but I think he'd be really good at the number 8 position but Liverpool seems like more of a destination. We anyway, I'd settle uh, for his pal uh, <laughs> yeah, his best friend yeah. Um Ngolo uh 
I don't know what the contract situation is right now, but I, f- I think it would be stupid for them to let him go. He has way too much experience. He is the Thiago mm. Silva that they need, not Thiago Silva. And he's good Silva. PR for the club because Very good yeah, Chelsea is, you know, it's more hated than it's loved. And so Very good, having uh, someone like Kante on the team is good, you know, to get some yeah. love. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> very good PR and very professional as a footballer. So I don't think that's uh, he's going to be sold. Um, Kovacic again. Uh, yeah, I think I think he's, he's going he's to go okay. because he's okay. But then I think there are other clubs that want him, and Chelsea doesn't mm-hmm. want to keep him that much. Who are they going to was... keep then? They don't have. They just have Enzo. I can't believe yeah, I'm but, looking at this squad uh, and have... where is his 600 million gone? I'm yeah, so confused. Exactly, exactly. That's the question. But yeah, I, but I think he was yeah. atrocious in the Arsenal game. Kovacic, really bad. Yeah, sure. I mean, Jorginho was looked like the best midfielder on the pitch, <laughs> which is funny after Odegaard. But mm. um, yeah, then we then going into the uh, into attack. Aubameyang needs to fuck right off. Oh yeah, he needs to go somewhere. He's respected, so he can respectfully end his career there. Um, we, I think we already spoke about Sterling and Kai Havertz. Um, Jao Felix, this one's interesting. Mm. No, I, I think he's just he's going to be too overpriced because Atletico paid 120 for him. They're not going to sell him despite his form and stuff just because of his age and how much they spent on him. So mm-hmm. it's he's he's not worth it. So because he's not worth it, I think they'll go for him because that's yeah. how Chelsea does things. <laughs> that's how the deal, huh? Um, yeah, um, I think, uh, I, yeah, I have, I'd have to agree. I don't think he's not, he's needed in the squad right now. He's not really, you need a, if you're going to sign him, then you need a strong number nine alongside him. Otherwise it's just a waste. He's just a, how do you call that? A shiny new toy. That's it at this point. Um, the, the American, what do you think about the American? The guy from Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Pully God. Pully God. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I think I think he's talented, but right now, given Chelsea's situation and the fact that if this guy has any intention of progressing in his career and getting regular playing time, I think both teams would I mean both the team and the player would benefit from, you know, him leaving and going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, then we have Modric, who's definitely going to be. I, I, I would say the same thing for ZX as well. Same thing. Uh, the team and the player would benefit if he departed the club. That's true. Um, yeah. They have David Datro Fofana, who's the new, who's again like a 30 million buy. Still, the jury is out, so we'll see what about that. They have Broja, who's. I don't know much right now, but uh, yeah, okay. Broja is good. Like I, I've, I've seen him for Southampton. He was good. He has a good. He's just twenty-one, so he has like a. He's highly rated, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, and then Nani Madueke, the guy who scored the goal. Uh, think he's uh, he's, he's on contract good. till two thousand thirty. So yeah, both of them, Modric that... and Nani. Yeah, both of them are in, until contract, and then so uh, Modric is still one thirty-one apparently. <laughs> Yeah, eight years. This guy, seven years. But no, but he's good. Mudrik yeah. is good. I, I'll I'll give him that. He's he's a good player. Maybe yeah. he was in both the of them are gonna say. Yeah. Um. Quickly, who do you see as the manager coming into Chelsea? 
Uh, I think it's already been sort of decided, right? It's going to be Pochettino. And what do you think about that? Is it? Is it? I mean, I haven't uh, heard anything the last two to three days, but as far as what I've heard la- since last week, it's going to be him, right? Yeah, I think uh, Poch is what's uh, cooking right now at Chelsea. So, uh, see, I'll tell you what's going to happen. What's going to happen is Poch is going to come in. He's going to maybe improve the situation. And but he's not going to help them get them where they need to be, and he's going to be sacked, and someone else is going to come in, and then it could go either way. I think that's probably what's going to happen. Um, yeah, I have to agree, but um, I also am a little bit scared because I feel like he's uh, he's good with he he hasn't uh, after Tottenham he hasn't really been able to show it with the squad who are just developing. So hmm. to, he hasn't been given the tools that he usually is associated with. That is um, uh, bringing a youthful new squad into the picture, uh, making sure that they they perform at their hundred percent. From his Tottenham stats, he he was one of the like the Tottenham team under him was one of the uh, biggest runners across the pitch. They were the most hardworking team. So with this squad, who are barely hardworking. I feel like uh, it could be good for them. I think it's, this is a very smart, good appointment, uh, which could do them well. I don't think it's a Todd Bowley appointment because it's way too smart for him. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, then I think maybe Pulisic might, you know, players like Pulisic might stay on till the end of their contract, if that's the case. I think he needs young players, and Chelsea's got plenty of them. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Just uh, I think enough about Chelsea. Let's talk a little bit about like uh, like Arsenal and how we performed in the game. <sighs> it's I, I see depressing. I see a real vulnerability on the wings. Don't you think? Um, which wing? Are you talking about left wing? Yeah, particularly Zinchenko's side. But even I mean. Ben White's vulnerability usually it's when he's off position, but I I think that Zinchenko is uh, not so good one on one. He's struggling. Yeah, yesterday he wasn't as good as uh, he's been in other games, but then again he's a tool which we need. Like he's yeah, that's of course. He's, but I think maybe good. he needs to Arteta needs to work on his defense, like on Zinchenko's defensive capabilities because. When we are in a position, I mean, we are going to keep shifting in a game, right? We are going to be in possession of the ball for maybe like the majority of the game. But there are going to be moments where we are going to struggle to keep possession. And in those situations, we need to be able to defend properly. And I think maybe Zinchenko needs to shift into that mindset and into that sort of game. And I think that maybe he's not really comfortable at the moment. Yeah, the moment's not looking like he is going to have a strong end of the season. But hmm. um, I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt because he's completely hmm. transformed us and he's uh, realized Arteta's tactics hmm. on the pitch. He's the guy who makes it happen. So let's let's see what he's like. At what level he, will he be performing next season? Um, uh, defensively, he definitely needs to show it up a little bit, but. Uh, I, I just don't want to write him off right now. I think he's he's our left back for next season for sure. Um, we do need Tierney. 
we definitely need Tierney for like uh, uh, Champions League games and when we need more of like a direct approach. But where I think was the problem yesterday was again, defensively, we shouldn't have conceded that goal against uh, Chelsea. Especially this. like uh, That was team. actually, if you've seen the replay, I think it was Zinchenko who allowed, who sort of let let that happen. And Gabriel tried to cover ground and make up, you know, try to get the ball, but he wasn't successful. Um, are you sure about that? Yeah, I mean, we can check later on. But from my memory, I think, yeah, it, it was Zinchenko. The ball went over and Zinchenko was completely oblivious. He didn't know what was going on. And I think Gabriel had to come running from the other side and catch up. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, so if that's that's the case, then either way, like I feel like just the defensive discipline on set pieces and things like that has reduced. Um, we have a set piece coach who was really, really good before the World Cup, but I don't know what's happened after the World Cup that our set pieces have become sort of like a, 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 an error-prone area for us. We can't take set pieces to save our lives we can't defend set pieces to save our lives again so it's been um it's been bad in that regards uh, yeah i mean it's it's so weird right like how like we just beat chelsea in like a london derby and we pumped them and it just still doesn't feel that great right like cuz i watched the west ham game yesterday against uh, city and that was just deflating, man. I don't know how these uh, um, Liverpool fans ever <laughs> even lived in these past few seasons. Yeah, but uh, the thing is, right now there are a lot of uh, like there are long-term issues that needs to be fixed, and you know, with the defense, we need uh, a better backup and so on. So that's stuff we need to do for the future for the next season. What what? What about this season? To salvage this season and uh, to get to win all the remaining games, like what do you think Arteta should be doing? I think he made a good decision, a bold decision to get Kivior for uh, right centre back. Not playing holding is giving the team like some sort of confidence on the ball. Um, I know it was just Chelsea, so we it's it's recency bias, but then. Uh, I feel like we have to take some risks. We we are going to face Newcastle at St. James's Park. It's it's going to be against Isaac. It's going to be against uh, 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 an in-form Callum Wilson. It's it's They're just like a really, really good team right now. And I don't think going into that game in that stadium with Rob Holding is anywhere comfortable for, for my, my sanity right now. So I think um, whatever Jakub showed... Yesterday, I'm confident enough to just give him the keys and we'll see how it goes from there. So that is one change. Secondly, I felt like Trossard was good. So He's always been good, right? Yeah. I, he's never had a bad performance for Austin. Never. Like, I can't think of any, any performance where I've been like, okay, he's not firing today. He's always been uh, creating. He's always that person who makes things happen. So and it's it would be really unfair for him to be dropped. Uh for the for the next game and uh, as much as that i hate to say this i think the one person who needs to be dropped is bukayo because yeah. i feel like he's just tired he's exhausted he's sort of 
not yeah exactly we know this is a temporary thing but you know what i'm thinking i'm thinking there like arteta is hesitant to make some changes and with bukayo i feel like it's got to do with a couple of things the first thing is that you know when arteta was in a very difficult situation i think bukayo probably one of the players who really delivered for him and maybe had a lot of faith in arteta and the second thing is arteta has a really special connection with all these young players and he really cares about their mentality and i think he is concerned you know you know i i hate your that because that makes me think that arteta is just not strong enough to make these tough decisions especially when no, it comes no no let, let so let me get to my point so maybe arteta is thinking that it's a short term sacrifice he is doing to get the best out of bukayo and he feels that this guy has a really high ceiling so maybe it could be that you know because arteta we've seen how the kind of person arteta can be right this is a hardcore guy that is he's so hardcore that if he went to psg he would domesticate mbappe that's how hardcore this guy is so <laughs> of course he, this guy is tough enough to get the job done but the thing is sometimes you can make like there could be an error in judgment and i think with saka that's what's happening right now yeah that's right uh i i i'd have to agree i don't think he's he's at the energy levels right now to be to be playing in such high level situations i think he's just exhausted dude he he had a world cup the world cup was was a big thing to happen in december right in the middle of the season and he played like a big part of uh, of england's journey in it so he's played a lot of games this year see that that makes sense but what doesn't make sense is arteta not rotating the squad enough you forget about the you know few bad games we've had right recently because then it might send the message right okay this guy is not good enough for something but even before that i think there should have been more squad rotation and this is why i'm really happy with the changes made today because see he rotated the squad and we won of course it's against chelsea and it's totally different thing but still i've been advocating for this for the past couple of weeks that we should be rotating the squad more and at the back we know that we have some deficiencies but when it comes to attack i think before we start speaking about getting new players we should start utilizing the players that we have and it's kind of disappointing that trossard didn't get enough game time the past couple of games that's true he's especially given that how how good he's been um for us but um, yeah so we got the we got the win man we got we got the rotation that we wanted we got the win that we wanted uh the talking about the ruthlessness aspect of it that is something which is pretty disappointing to me it's we have like this season has been so good for us but we still haven't been ruthless enough um if this was any better team they would have thought that they had the ability to come back just because frank lampard was there chelsea was just shit chelsea didn't have the confidence to do anything to us but this is how we drew the southampton game this is how we drew the west ham game and the liverpool game essentially because players think that like after we do have a good spell mm-hmm. something happens and we just drop down some and we just mm-hmm. like put the foot off the gas and just 
just sort of like um yeah and coming. and you really have to give it to pep i mean he's taking haland off when he's about to score a hat trick when he's about to break a champions league record so he, this <laughs> guy is just so comfortable he's he said the press president that you know what i'm going to keep rotating and there's nothing you can do about it i don't care if you're 100 million I mean, he bought jack grealish for 100 million and the first season the like, like he was mostly on the bench that's insane only pep can do that only pep can do it and but and even pep wouldn't have been able to do that with messi though yeah uh, also yeah. pep at that time point of time was just a new novice coach and he did not have as much experience so at that point of time he had to rely on his best players and he didn't have the confidence of dropping someone like messi or xavi or iniesta um also those players were like legendary players so here in man city he has he works with tools it's almost like every player is like a tool to him so he does not look at them as like superstars or something and you know mm-hmm. i have to give credit to haland where it's where like where it's due he's he's been really humble with it uh, we've seen in the past how zlatan or someone like eto has mm-hmm. uh, have had like rifts with pep just because of the way pep is and haland at this point of time has had none he's he's been humble he's understood pep's game and he's he's it's showing man he's on 35 goals dude it's unbelievable with five more games to I, go he I, unbelievable i think it's also got to do with the fact that haland's father was a footballer so maybe he's already got an education about these things i i feel i mean the two best players in the world right now mbappe and haland both of them right their the, their dads are from a football background so i think it makes sense that they've been doing this since a young age so they have that mentality their diet everything going into the game and you know you can see the results they're the two best players in the world right now yeah unfortunately for us halen has come halen has basically <laughs> just come into the game at this point of the season when everything was uh, looking good for us but 257 47 days on top and now man city is on top which is unbelievably deflating but what can we do um all we can do is just try to keep winning our games and then hope and praise to god almighty christ allah shiv whatever <laughs> that something happens in that everton game in the brentford game or the brighton game um But yeah, we have Saint James's Park next. If you don't win that game, nothing really matters. Yeah, and uh, there's one more thing I want to speak about. It's that you know there are a lot of changes happening in the Premier League now with possible new ownership for Manchester United and what's happening with Newcastle. And you know, I, I think another team we should be speaking about just to have an understanding about money in football should be PSG. And what's really going wrong over there? Yeah, um, I'm. I actually am not really sure about what's happening at PSG. I just know. I just saw these uh, video clips today of like fans outside Neymar's house and like shouting at him to like get out and like outside the PSG training ground, shouting at Messi. 
um it's just a club in shambles so this is this makes me respect manchester city a little bit because yeah. it doesn't matter if you pump in billions into your squad just like we see with chelsea and psg you have to be able to have that discipline you have to build a squad from the get go and you just can't it's just a failed project what do you think yeah i mean with chelsea actually we've seen what, what the best and the worst of it because with the previous ownership right it was the opposite but yeah with psg i think it's very simple you you can't have a you can't run a club like a marketing product right and you you can't give so much uh, importance to like one single player it needs i mean you, you need to have proper management and i think that's what's lacking in psg and it is something that can be fixed but i feel like there are things going on behind the scenes i think nasser has made some promises i don't know what it is they made some kind of investment into mbappe and now they're scared to lose that guy so i they they need a hardcore manager coming in someone like pep and you know setting the record straight and letting the players know that you know the club comes first but it's astonishing that you know you can spend so much and you can be in a position like this yeah it seems like neymar uh, is going to be leaving and messi is going to be leaving so this experiment has completely failed this seemed like such a dream dude for them that transfer window of like ramos coming in messi coming in mbappe signing a contract and neymar still there that is eventually just you see the league league one form they could lose the league one too which is going yeah. to be hilarious and if you look at the stats if you look at messi's stats if you look at mbappe's stats and even neymar's stats they're pretty good right they it's a title winning side but they're still struggling it's it's very strange and i think something a thing that a lot of psg fans like a section of psg fans have been saying is that neymar is way more instrumental to the team than what it seems and i think one of the reasons why they're struggling right now is because of the absence of neymar yeah that's true but uh, neymar's never been respected at psg so i think it's it's a good time for him to make a switch now i don't see him going to any club i don't know it's it's a pretty confusing one when it comes to neymar right yeah where, where could he go where could he go he will, he will never go to madrid of course uh going back he's to young, barcelona he's like 31 so he's not really he's not like you know messi or ronaldo he still has a three four like top years right now in him so um uh, i don't see madrid happening i i don't see premier league happening i just don't see it yeah pep, pep wouldn't take him no uh, um, i see maybe manchester united being a little exactly i think i think you know <laughs> in the premier league that's the only option yeah uh, yeah that would yeah. be interesting you know yeah, i like him he's a good playmaker he's a good playmaker he's he's going to be really good like even in the premier league or something but i feel like even bayern munich is a team which could do with neymar i don't yeah. know it'll be really interesting Bruno to see no fernandes some competition when it comes to winning yeah <laughs> <laughs> definitely uh, if he goes to united that anthony bruno and neymar would become another hate like most hated frontline ever <laughs> yeah 
along with Casemiro. Oh my God, it's like unbearable, all of them. Oh my God, mm. and uh, yeah, Jude Bellingham to Madrid. That's mm. happening. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, not gonna say that I'm shocked. I don't. I don't think anyone else had the uh, finances. But yeah, not going to Man City is interesting. I feel like um, I feel like it's a good decision. I feel like Jude said in one of them interviews that he wants to go to a club with history and all that stuff. But when Man City and Pep Cup come calling, I doubt like anyone says no to them. The only team which you can say no to at this point, I'm. Uh, I mean, the only team who can like pip them is Real Madrid because no one says no to Real Madrid. That's what we're seeing here. Um, yeah, I I also agree with the decision because you know you've got Cruz, you've got Modric. It's a very, it's a very nice situation to be in for a player like him, yeah, to develop and get to the next level. Yeah, he has literally the world at his feet right now, man. He he'll be a Galactico, um, in a fresh team. Probably gonna get a fresh new manager. They sort of going the young route too. He's he just has to be really really careful because Madrid. Is a place which puts a lot of pressure pressure on players, so he has to be really really careful there. He has to, um, you know. I hope the fans give him time to adapt. I think he's he's good enough to like uh, to get firing as soon as possible. But still, like if he's not, then I hope they're they're not like impatient with him because he's going to be a, a big money signing it's going to be at least 150 million i i reckon yeah. so yeah not coming to the premier league which is sad but uh not going to liverpool uh, I, i'm, I'm great. fairly certain he will come to the premier league in the future i think it was it's just that nobody can afford him right now you know what's the first thing i thought when i saw this news was our man said he going to try to take Declan rice now Oh, which is scared me. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Now you are. Now you will be thinking about it. <laughs> so, who's the poor man's Declan Rice that's left for us? Kaiseido. Who else? Uh, he's not. He's not the poor man's Declan Rice. He, he's, he's actually he plays a bit differently. True. He, he's and he's also he also goes for around like eighty mil or something. I don't know. Like Douglas Luiz or something. Hmm. It's unfortunate. Maybe. Unfortunate, yeah. but I am fully confident in like a huge, huge signing, bro. Like, not even gonna lie, I'm fully, fully confident. Okay, uh, let's take a guess. Uh, two like on two things. The first thing is who we are going to sign, and the second thing is the total spent for this transfer window. So I'll I'll go with mine. I think we're going to spend around one fifty million mm-hmm. uh, net spend, and. I think we are going to get. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, because uh, we have to do it right now. To I mean, if we stop here and then yeah, yeah, not, we should, we should. Yeah, just, we need just, to take that leap. Yeah. So yeah, I think we're going to go for Declan Rice, and we're also going to go for Casiero. I think we're going to get both of these players. I I, wow. I can't really think of who is going to be the uh, sent. I'm going to just do it if this happens. Yeah, we're literally and winning the league champions. I think Tierney. I think Tierney is going to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy wants to start, and he knows he he's he, there's no way he's guaranteed to start at Arsenal. Yeah, I think that's probably what's going to happen. What about you? Um, I think 
we're gonna spend i don't know about net spend okay if you no i'm not going to do net spend because that's too much mathematics for me right now but i think we're going to spend 200 million and we're going to have a lot of outgoings as well um i think tony I, i agree with you i think tony will be going i really hope he doesn't um i think balogun will be going charlie patino will be going balogun for possibly 35 to 40 million tierney again around that uh, maybe lesser uh, charlie patino i think 15 million um i see reese nelson going who's out of contract so we don't get anything there and coming in okay this is interesting i i definitely see uh i i see declan rice coming to arsenal I don't see any yeah. problem in that I I don't think that's something that we're going to fumble with uh that's that itself is going to cost us around 100 million on top of that I see us signing Gehi Mark Gehi from Crystal Palace for around 30 million or 35 million something like that yeah. um uh, okay this is interesting but I I do I see us signing Musa Diaby Diaby mm. for around 60 million and this last signing is 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 i don't know it's just a hunch but i see us going for mason mount um for i say around like 40 50 million something like that but that brings it up to like 210 215 but that is like a wild card i'm not sure if that happens or it doesn't but we'll see We'll see I think I right. think Mason Mount will be interesting because because of Chelsea's situation, right? Whoever is going for Mason Mount is going to be in a decent position to bargain because they really mm-hmm. need to offload a couple of players. That might make him more attractive by. Mm-hmm. Not really sure how that's going to go. What could happen is that we get Wilfred Zaha on a free, and then we spend a little bit. M- more money on someone like mount or someone someone in that advanced eight uh, position so that'd be interesting to see if we want to go to the wilfred zaha route if uh, you know restensen's leaving we do need attacking uh, um supplements we i i don't see watkins or tony coming in but i i see uh, i can see mount coming in dude i that would be something really really exciting Declan Rice and Mount would just, you know, friends, best friends playing together for Arsenal. Something really nice about it, you know, with Bukayo, all English core. Yeah, but I don't want them getting too comfortable. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ben White's gonna hate them. <laughs> them doing like weird dances on the pitch. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. But I, I'm they're quality players too. They're Uh, rice for sure he hasn't won anything in his life he'd be hungry as fuck i can't see the same for mount um declan rice is just a no brainer he'd be hungry as fuck he is going to give everything for us on that pitch so um yeah yeah i agree mouse mason mount has a little bit of caviar in his belly so he may not be as hungry as rice mm-hmm. but yeah one of the players who i really want uh doing uh something for us next season or at least being in Arteta's plan is Smithro because I have like a really oh wow yeah. uh, I have a, a soft spot for him I think everyone has forgotten how good this guy is Dude he because... saved Arsenal Arteta's ass I'm not even kidding he's the guy who who because of who Arteta has not sacked yet so 
I'm not going to sit here and uh, uh, you know say that he's shit because he's shown quality. He just hasn't. But he's never been shit, right? He's just been injured and he's having a. Mm. He has apparently. Apparently, he just doesn't give a fuck. Like he hasn't trained hard enough. He hasn't tried to get into the team badly. But I don't know what he what Arteta wants. Like him to wake up at four a.m. every day and come to the training ground or what, whatever it means. I where, don't. Where, where do you hear this from? Something. Is this like Arteta said this? uh i think so i think so some one of the sources um apparently th- th- this is what i saw that like he's not uh, um he's not working hard enough as he was previously he's not uh, uh hungry enough to come back into the squad basically how reese nelson was basically there's like a there's a a characteristic difference between reese nelson and emil citro uh that that both players are uh, are both are talented but one of them wants it more than the other so that's that's why reese is reese is more dear to arteta and losing reese mm-hmm. would be bad but i think emil smithro is a generational player dude it's it's we we can't be fucking around with that we fucked around with a lot of footballers over the past decades and we we just can't lose these kind of players dude yeah and which which position is he going to play in like if he's going to be in the first team who who's he going to be replacing that's a tough one but i think uh, he uh, ideally shaka but then yeah. he has to have he has to be very strong in his pressing he has to up his pressing game if he needs to uh, do that role but he's good enough to like attack on that role he's good enough to to provide what that role needs he's really good at like driving forward he's really good at like uh, uh dribbling and shooting shot power shot selection footballing iq everything is great he needs to become a little better defensively he needs to press harder he needs to work a little ha- bit harder on the on the pitch uh unfortunately he's not left footed otherwise it would have been a like to like replacement but i don't think that's a problem in that position so yeah for mm-hmm. me that left eight he's also shown to be good at left wing but i don't think arsenal have space on that wing there are too many players right now there's trossard and uh, and martinelli who are just good and i think we sign one more player one more versatile player who can play right wing and left wing as well definitely right yeah. wing because we need that we need uh, we need saka to sit the fuck down dude. we can't have him play 60 games next season yeah if you if you were to ask me i would say the irreplaceable players in a squad right now is saka martinelli odegaard uh i mean gabriel i wouldn't say so maybe usually when he's with saliba you can say so but yeah definitely saliba and ramsdale as well the rest of the positions i think it's you know hmm. I, I see these players as you know long term. They're going to be around for at least five more years. Okay.